Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com. And welcome to Keys to Lost, a weekly podcast dedicated to ABC Television's Lost, hosted from a musician's perspective. I am one of those musicians. My name is Matt Murdock, a keyboard player in the St. Louis area. And I am happy to say that I have back across the table from me, finally, after a week or two weeks of podcasting with other people, she's been <laughs> podcasting with I've Jed and Kara, I've been podcasting with Jed and Kara. We've all been podcasting with Jed and Kara, but not each other. That's the singer, the songwriter, the pianist in her own right, the lovely oh my Mrs. Leslie Santi. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Matt. Yay, I'm so happy to see you. How was your tour? Tour was great. Iowa was very nice to me. Jed and Kara were very nice to me. And uh, Chicago was good, too. Yay, Chicago, Yay. Chicago. Chicago. I just is got back from there myself. Need to thank Jed and Kara, actually, for helping us out quite a bit. And Leslie, of course, got to appear on their initial reaction for Aviterno, and that looked great and like lots of fun. Glad you guys were up there and able to give us your thoughts before I were, was able to get mine out. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jed and Kara. That was awesome. The next day, I got to record with Jed in terms of doing our podcast here. So I want to thank, say thanks again to Jed from Losties with Jed and Kara. That's Losties with Jed Kara.blogspot.com to visit their fabulous vidcast. He came on our show and we talked to Abiturno and he had some great points. The doc was full and I just kind of sat back and let him talk about it. It was kind of fun. <laughs> There's a couple other things. I just recently got to appear on The Lost Revisited Now with He Solo and Miss Wendy. I want to thank them for allowing me to participate in the first season six Bunny Awards, which covered episodes one to six. I believe that's episode 96 on The Lost Revisited Now. If you want to go back and check that out, The Lost Revisited Now feed is, of course, on iTunes. And their official blog is Miss Wendy's blog. That's misswendy.wordpress.com called It's About Bunnies, hence the Bunny Awards. The initial reaction to the package you can also find uh, on the Donald is Lost feed. We did that this week with Donald and Heath and I and had a great time. Go to DonaldIsLost.com in order to find that episode, which I believe is also his episode 96. I think him and Heath are in a race the same way that me and Jed are in a race. Oh, wow. Except I think Jed's going to win because I'm not going to be able to keep coming up with two episodes a week like he is. So I give in, Jed. I give in. <laughs> Uncle... Uncle, uncle. As far as this episode goes, this is uh, He's the Lost, episode 53. We're reviewing season 6, episode 10, The Package, which is Jen and Son-centric, written by Paul Zbajewski and Graham Rowland, and directed by Paul Edwards. And speaking of it being Sun and Jen-centric, we should say congratulations to Yoon Jin Kim, who plays Sun, who just recently got married this last week. So, wow. yay, congratulations. Congratulations. I think that does it for all of our plugging for the week. Yay, you ready to get into this episode? Let's do it. I'm sure that doesn't mean that much to you. Because back when you were called in the shots, you pretty much just reacted. Initial reaction. Initial reactions. Well, Leslie, uh, what was your initial reaction to this episode? 
liked it. Um, I found myself like saying things out loud when they started talking about the package. Being oh, no, like, yes, got, we're gonna find out what it is. You got, you got Matt Itis. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it from you. <laughs> like I, I was emotionally invested in, it, I guess, because my excitement level was high enough that I was saying things while I was watching it out loud. So, so that's always a good sign. I, I just, you know, overall, I felt like it seems like kind of an exposition kind of episode where they're kind of setting everything up for hopefully another big episode coming up.、Mm-hmm. And while those are never like super wow, high drama episodes or anything, I felt like as far as those kind of episodes go, this one was pretty necessary for whatever's coming. It didn't feel to me like they were. Wasting any time with anything that was unnecessary. Like I saw everything is pretty necessary that we saw. If they could get rid of that girl with the glasses who's like always shooting people and messing up, like I, I think I'd be even more excited about this episode. Zoe,、yeah. <laughs> I really don't I mean, like Zoe. Kind of anti Zoe, yeah. I, I'm kind of anti Zoe. I just think she's awful. Yeah, you know, episodes like this are kind of tough when you're watching the show week to week. Mm-hmm. When when you go back and you look at them in the broader things, you know when we when we have the DVDs later on、right. like、this summer or whatever, it'll be a great episode because it'll fill in information that we'll need for later episodes,、mm-hmm. and it'll kind of flow by a little easier. But、mm-hmm. uh, in, in the first, when you're watching the TV show week to week, I, I can see how the, the, these setup episodes seem to be a little more plotting and everything. And I kind of saw Recon as like that, and then we got Abeturno, which was fabulous, and then. We've got this again. I guess after Abiturno was so great last week, I'd set my expectations pretty low for this week. I was like, "Well, there's no way they're ever going to come close to that for a while."、Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wasn't. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the episode because I did really like the、uh, Sun and Jin story in the X timeline.、Mm-hmm. I, I really liked the、uh, the Jin and Woodmore stuff too. I thought that that was,、uh, and and we've got some key drops as to to where this is going, you know, or, or what the stakes are now, I think, and we'll talk about some of that in the theory section as well. But it, it, I mean, it's not a top tier app, but it it, it was、uh, certainly better than expected. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I feel the same way. Ah,、uh, so I guess we should just go ahead and try and describe our episodes in three words. So let's get into three words. Three words. For that awesome voicemail, metaphorical blouse button, like it. You can catch Wayne、uh, at mediavoiceovers.com. He's the podcaster that is behind a couple of the podcasts that I listen to, especially Lost Casting with Wayne and Dan or Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. We've got a new ep of Fringe this week. Yay! Oh! Yay! I'm happy. And three words. Well,、uh, my three words were 
kind of boring, I guess you could say, but I thought it kind of fit the theme. And if you look at the X timeline and the regular timeline, and that is to say that true love prevails. Uh, it was the theme of Sun and Jin uh, carrying through on both sides of the coin. And I want to congrat uh, Tara B, who won uh, the Guess Matt's Three Words contest this week. She got, uh, I sent the email back to her with the MP3s from my little folded sand demo. Nice. So, hope you enjoy those, Tara. Thanks a lot for participating, and good guess. She, she guessed it, like, within 10 minutes of me posting you know, it. I am so amazed that people can guess someone else's three words, because, I mean, clearly, like, like Tara listens to the podcast. She kind of knows your angle. But, I mean, I know your angle. I sit across from you every week, and, like, I could not possibly guess anyone's three words, not even yours. Uh, mm-hmm. Congratulations, Tara. And uh, Leslie, what were your three words? My three words this week were everyone's faith renewed. I felt like everyone was following their faith. You know, like Richard came back and he was, you know, kind of re-put together. And Alana was, even while Ben kept saying, Richard's not coming back, he's not coming back. Alana was like back to her faith and Jacob and saying, you know, if, if Jacob says that he knows what to do, then he knows what to do. And Sun could have totally gone with MIB, like, immediately when she heard Jen's name, but she went with her own faith that she didn't trust Locke. And just love in general. Everyone kind of went with their their love, you know, and what they knew. So everyone's kind of putting stock in their faith right now, which is, you know, something they can't all hold on to. And when a bunch of people do that at the same time, it's really noticeable. So, yeah, everyone's faith renewed. I really like those three words. That's great. Let's see. Let's get into some tweets that we received. Danielle1984 says, Kimi still alive. Eggs are good. Aohora, <laughs> uh, who is Amy from LostBlog.com, um, also a great guest on our episode 50, uh, says, Want my three words? How about told you so? Awesome. <laughs> ah, so she's got some justification out of her theories this week, I guess. Yeah. Go Hex the Wolf. Another mirror experience. Jen's son soulmates. Son provocative unbuttoning. War has begun. Dwensel says, uh, son of the jungle. Um, and MSU Geek Squadron. And uh, goes on to say, I have an itching feeling that Widmore's goons are from Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> Fizzlehoff says, Desmond is back. Lost Fangirl says, Desmond is special. Rope Dog 33, Sneaky Swimming Saeed, Sun No English, Dodge Those Darts. Bob 0680 says, Poor episode, Darlton. War is coming. Desmond is back. Waiting till Tuesday. Someone who didn't like it much. Lost Fan 815K, Kill That Counter. Lost Dogs 20, um who handles uh, shipper contributions for LostBlog.com, says the package delivered. And After Lost, and that's from the After Lost podcast. I'm not sure if this is Andrew or one of his other two co-hosts, but they submit uh, the After Lost podcast is at after-lost.com, and they submit electromagnetism package war. Molly Faraday says sentimental, touching, Hume-alicious. Hume-alicious. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word. That's great, Molly Faraday. Shelby23 says, yay, Desmond's back. Lindsay Amanda says, damn, it's Desmond. Um, no, seriously, who else was slightly shocked? <laughs> <laughs> 
Corwell says tomatoes always grow. Lots of hands. Better than recon. Full cast rules. Nice. Skytweet says stressful. Woodmore's a good guy. And Desmond. Skytweet. Uh, let's see. Bill Cava says Ricardo finds cojones. <laughs> <laughs> What's a geophysicist? V on next? And they go on to say, hated that big red V on the screen. Yeah, I didn't like that much either. Uh, Dharma Recruit says, whatever happens, happens. Sunlock, best sun ever. Leah3318 says, package is Desmond, and I knew it. JHMed00 says, all losties appear. Samantha739 says, Desmond's back, baby. Terrastar412, Woodmore is good. Son was preggers. Desmond is back. Mm, Bruna Black says, ee, ee, ee. <laughs> uh, EC Junior 85 says, Desmond's back, brother. Jack equals Jacob. I trust Jack. Run away, son. Smokey hates secrets. I'm a miss lost. Hmm. Flatulator says, son's bra hot. Desmond looked hungover. Richard's renewed purpose. Oh, I like that one. Yep. Justin Key says, package, perfect present. Welcome back, brother, because you're speaking, and Ilana School's bend. <laughs> Ms. Wright says, timeline crossed, Jack's sandy hand. Methodic John says, Desmond is special. Oh, that's the second one of those we got. Yeah. Uh, Max Headroom 6 says, prodigal son homecoming. Big Daddy STL 06, that's Big Daddy Des from right here in St. Louis. He's got a blog. Check it out, bigdaddystl.wordpress.com. It says, health code violation and no depth perception. <laughs> Whimsy and Quirk says, I was wrong. Illuminant CEO says, stupid V logo. <laughs> the Lost Nerd says, don't say bacon. <laughs> L Adversario says, war is coming. Bunnies LR Now, who is Ms. Wendy from the Lost Revisited Now podcast at MsWendy.wordpress.com, says, Magic Box, brother. Lost for 8-15-16-23-42. As a fellow Scotsman, all I can say is, my brother returns, or thank you, Dalton. <laughs> Con Artist says, smoking sideways sun. So much fun. Sawyer is macho. War has arrived. Saeed's girl says, two bald men. Saeed can't feel. Son loses baby. War is coming. That little imp says, daddy's little girl. Smokey can't swim. Saeed is possessed. I like Smokey can't swim. That's good. <laughs> Meet Joe Saber. No more buttons. Jed Finlay from Losties with Jed and Kara, which you can find at lostieswithjedkara.blogspot.com, says, cease to be. Right on, and Katie Gallen from the What Katie Said podcast, which you can find at whatkatiesaid.wordpress.com. That's Katie with a Y, not I-E, just so you know. Uh, heavyweight acting success. Korean English eye roll. I love that. Island say what? Room 23 again. Geophysicist, not mercenary. <laughs> Friggin' Italian says, yay, Desmond's back. Mikhail's eye again. Mikhail really dead? We shall see. Hmm. Drumhead98 says Desmond is back. Or Sawyer's sarcastic remarks. Beethoven says Whitmore's scotch cellar. <laughs> Tree floor's son. Return to garden. And this is Armageddon. 
Flash Sideways says, Woodmore seeks magnetism. Dano at large says, Sun Jin, forbidden love. Mikhail loses eye. Kimi still creepy. Mm, Jackie Fun, sun is hot. <laughs> Uh, Nathaniel Starr says, apparently V returned. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I do this right. It's either Amanda, Amanda Leah NG or it's Amanda Liang, the Scotsman arrives. Nice. How about some more uh, three words in the forms of emails? Uh, Sawyer's Little Sassafras says, sexy Albert accent. Adam says, impatient, frustrated Desmond. Don from Denver, sun is hot. Sun is shot. Yuhoat <laughs> <laughs> from Singapore uh, says, um, finally Desmond's here. And also, Sawyer is worried. Sun is hot. Yeah, everybody seems to agree that sun is hot. <laughs> you ready to get into key scene discussion? Yeah, let's do it. So clearly three little words, eight little letters, simply mean I love you. the whole game breaking down the key scenes key scene discussion well leslie i guess we have a lot to talk about we got plenty of notes in here why don't you start yeah um you know right off the bat the the lock and gin conversation at the camp where we learn that lock uh, needs everyone whose name is left on the wall to go with him when he leaves. That was um, that was a nice that was a nice bit of information there. Um, a good conversation, I thought. And you have a theory surrounding that too. I do. I'm going to save it for the okay, theory section. Okay. But I thought I, I also thought it was um, really cool to notice. I remember right after the show um, telling Alexis uh, that. You know, wow, Sun saved Jin's life when she when she seduced him and kept him in the hotel room because if he had showed up at the restaurant, which we found out later was Kimi's restaurant, it wouldn't have mattered what time it was, they would have killed him. Well, I mean he didn't have the money, so so we, we don't know exactly what would have happened, but it wouldn't have been good. Right. But but also, um, his life was saved when the money was confiscated to begin with. Right. If he had showed up with the money, I mean that clearly would have been it. Right. You yep. know. And what a twist that was, man! Her father is just evil. <laughs> God, I mean, I mean, not only like to to take out to take out Jin, but but you know to put to put Sun in harm's way like that. Clearly, she's going to have some kind of contact with the people who come to kill Jin if they're together all the time. Yeah, and you know what's yeah. a great twist of irony about that is you think about it, probably he took that very money from from Sun's account and used it to pay. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Isn't that a nice little ironic twist? Oh, that's awful. Yeah. It's awful. It's terrible. He's but, terrible. And it gives you a, a whole new perspective on, on a couple of those uh, season four flash forwards with Sun, the way that, uh, you know, how much she hated her father. Uh-huh. Now you can see from the X timeline here that there probably is a lot more going on with Sun's father that J- that Sun is aware of. Uh-huh. You know that that built up that resentment that boiled over in Jen's what she thought was Jen dying at the island. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. At least in that timeline, because it seems like in this, in, in the X timeline, she doesn't really seem to fully grasp the, you know, that, that her father's that evil. She keeps saying things to Jim like, "It's my father. Don't worry about it." You yeah. know, like that kind of angle, like shows that she clearly, she's clearly surprised by the fact, by all of this, right? You know, that her right, father would do right. that. Whereas in the, our regular timeline, she she seems to know everything that's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah, she seems to be a little but, bit. But yeah, it's it's further proof that that her father is just a a dirty guy in either timeline. Yeah, both both timelines. Yeah. Totally. I really liked the way the writers set it up to where the first time we hear Jen and Son talking as they're coming out of customs, you know that the money has just been taken, so Jen is understandably frustrated at this point. So he's talking in a way to her like he would have talked to her before, which kind of keeps us hanging on for an extra scene being like Oh, is he still a jerk to her? Is he still, you know, is he still in his dark phase? You know, like, yeah. what is this? And then once we get to the hotel, we see that, in fact, Jin is is not the same as he was in, in the other, in the island timeline. And and he's, you know, very sweet and loving and respectful to Sun. But it was great the way they made us wait for that. I thought that was great because it made perfect sense that Jin would be like, let's go, you know, because he just right. lost 25 grand of her dad's money. You know, he's frustrated. Sure. So I really like yeah, that. Yeah, he had no idea, cool. you know, that it was even there. You know, he's dealing with that frustration, too. All he knows is that he was supposed to give that to uh-huh. the people at the restaurant. He uh-huh. didn't even know what was in it, evidently. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the other thing, too, that I was thinking is they, the, the customs agent says, when he asks for the money, says, well, you're going to have to fill out paperwork to get that back. And, and says it in a way like, like it's an impossible thing. And I'm thinking... Why doesn't he just fill out the paperwork? <laughs> I don't yeah. get it. I don't understand why that's such a that that seems like such an easy solved easily solved case of the money. You know? Yeah. Because I don't I don't I don't think the government can just like take people's money as they come in. They can you know make them go through a process to describe how or what or why. But it seems like they just they just like we're like well forget it then. Right, and if it's that big of a deal, why let him go? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That didn't <laughs> but, really make you know, sense. It doesn't make for a very dramatic story, though, so that's why yeah. all that stuff set up like that. Yeah. But, it, yeah, that whole that whole situation is, is one of the things about this episode that I, I didn't particularly care for, but you're, you're absolutely right in that we see Jen in the way that he is before he starts to work for Mr. Paik in our regular timeline. We see when he's uh, like in when you look back at House of the Rising Sun when he's still just working as a waiter and he gives her the flower and he's very loving and everything. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that in in then later on in the hotel room where she was like making fun of him for making her button her blouse, uh-huh. you know that he his explanation is I didn't know who was watching, you know, uh-huh. which makes you wonder also if if there's some kind of uh, uh, parallel with that with the fact that. In the regular timeline, he was, you know, visited in the bathroom in Sydney saying that don't you try to run because we're watching, you know, and, and we'll, yeah. we'll take you out. And not that I think that that happened in this timeline, uh-huh. but just that he is aware of the way Mr. Paik is. And so he knows yeah. that someone might be watching or he's worried that someone might be watching. Right. Even if Sun isn't. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. What else do you have? Well, we have the, the, the scene where, where Saeed clearly is conscious of what's happening to him. And he's he's talking to Locke and saying, you know, I don't feel anything. And 
There is also this dynamic that I wanted to bring up that I noticed between, and I guess I guess we've already seen it if I think about it in in back episodes so far this season. But Locke seems to not really address Claire or Saeed with the same level of respect or something as he addresses the people he's trying to convince to come with him. This, you know, the way he says to Saeed, like, look after the camp while I'm gone. Like, he doesn't ask. He doesn't, he doesn't like, you know, make clear anything. He just kind of, like, the tone he uses is kind of like he's just stating it as an order. Mm-hmm. You know, and even the way he says, what is it, Claire? You know, like, he's, like, like clearly, visibly kind of, like, annoyed at these people who are his, like, you know, menial servants or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Don't you Did think you his tone that? towards Claire kind of changes, though, when she starts expressing... Well, if I'm not on the wall, then you don't really need me. And yeah. I, I saw him be much more. Well, I think he realized that he he needs to keep Claire convinced. Oh, okay. So you know, that, so that was the same kind of manipulation that yeah. he's implying with Kate. I think and with so. Sawyer. I think so because whereas with Saeed, Saeed's more direct under his control, so it's less. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Because if if Claire doesn't go, Kate's not going to go. If Kate doesn't go, then you know what I mean. It's like this. Yeah. Domino kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I'm sure he's kind of aware of that, or I think that he is. Yeah, he seems to be very aware of the domino kind of thing, I think. Uh, yeah. He seems to be... Uh, he seems to be more awareness than we even thought. Very cool. What else? Yeah. Let's see. Well, again, more annoying Zoe work. You know, the way Jen's getting ready to leave the camp, and so she has everyone drugged. It's just, like, so extreme. She could have waited for Jen to leave, drugged him in the woods and taken him, but instead she's like, everybody start shooting! You know, I mean, she's yeah. just... This woman is a mess. Yeah. Um, even so. uh, Widmore even pointed that out to her later yeah. on. <laughs> when you wait How for him to wait? just leave the camp right. and take him in the jungle. <laughs> Yeah, too funny. If he wanted a mercenary. Yeah. I also thought it was funny um, to hear Ben and Alana talking. Ben, ben is kind of like a kid being like, but, 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 what do you mean? What are we doing? You know, it's like the uh, the little kid in the backseat being like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? What's going on? <laughs> he's so used to being in control and he's not in control and he's kind of like, so what are we, what's happening now? What, what are we doing? Yeah. And Alana's just, you know, really calm and like, he, well, I wouldn't say calm, but she's, you know, she's convinced that Richard is coming back. And, and just hearing Ben like trying to try, it, it's just, it's a different, it's a different angle for Ben completely, you know. He's still like shooting from the hip and saying, well, if you recall, the last time we saw Richard, he said we were all in hell. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, He's he's not manipulating. He's he's really just like speaking from where he is. And yeah. it's, it's a new Ben. Yeah, it is a new Ben. I I really like the thing where where uh, the it, the scene later on where him and and uh, Alana Alana's looking at him and he's like, "What? I told you I was just getting mangoes." You know, <laughs> like he can't believe that Alana thinks that he would do this. You know, after everything that they've been through together with the whole you know I'll have you thing. Like he's like he's sincerely hurt. You know, and and what makes you think that? And she. Because you're talking. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, 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 I love, love that. that. You know, yeah. She calls him out on it, so that's great. You know? <laughs> it's a beautiful dynamic that those two have going on right now. What else you got? Well, um, I liked, uh, I thought it was funny when um, when Frank says, hey, don't talk about bacon like that. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple tweets about that. That was really funny. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, it kind of happened quickly. You know, like he said the line really fast. And it really could have been played up more, I thought, because, you know, if he had done it slowly, it would have really set it up to, to have us understand that we all thought he was going to say Hugo. Yeah. You know, don't talk about Hugo. But he says, don't talk about bacon like that. 
<laughs> which was great. As I mentioned in the three words, I th- um, you know, Alana's faith has been renewed um, along with Richard's, and and that was that was a really nice moment um, mm-hmm. um, to feel that kind of solidarity on their side of things. I, I just I uh, also um, another thing is that Sun seems to be one of the few people that have been able to resist the call by Jacob or it might be actually to be reunited with a loved one and says no. Mm-hmm. You know, even though she clearly wants to be with Jen, um, right. she goes with her instinct and says, you know, she she knows she doesn't trust Locke. And so even though he's offering her the one thing she came back to the island to get, she says no. Right. It's like such a high level of respect on that level for her intuition and her instinct. Yeah. And her and her willpower, really. I mean, well, and she does have the advantage as opposed to Sawyer or Kate or some of them uh, to uh, the fact that she knows what Locke is capable of. She watched him, you know, physically attack Richard on the beach and haul him away. Uh huh. So there, there's a there's a there's a reason to fear him and to run, you know, That's rather true. than just to trust him. Although on the other hand, you could look at it. Well, Kate saw the smoke monster. I don't know if she has equated though that the smoke monster and Locke are the same thing or not. Yeah, that's a good question. Do we know she doesn't know? I, I mean, you have to assume that Sawyer, since Sawyer knows that probably Kate knows. I'm assuming he shared that information. Obviously, Jen knows now because Sawyer said uh, said that whole line about turn into smoke and fly across the water right, right in front of Jen. So Jen obviously knows now. Uh huh. You know, and plus he's with Woodmore, and Woodmore kind of explained that as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're not sure. I mean, we can't definitively say that Kate knows what's going on with Locke. She just knows that he's not Locke, really. She knows that he's yeah. a dead man. Yeah. You know? Hence that conversation uh, looking out at Hydra Island while Sawyer was away on the recon. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Who knows? Oh, yeah. We're going to have to get some kind of scene where we know that Kate knows. Yeah. What you, else? One um, last point? <laughs> Just more Zoe hate. Really, we should just move on. <laughs> <laughs> no more, no more Zoe hate. No more Zoe. No, hate. nobody likes Tina Fey. <laughs> All right, uh, I've I've got a few things here. Yeah, what and, do you think? Uh, well, you know, the whole Widmore and Jen scene I thought was really um, fantastic and, and very key in terms of the overall plot, mm-hmm. um, and in terms of character stuff because, you know, Jen gets to see Gion for the first time. He's never seen a picture of her. I don't even know if he knew that he had a girl or a boy. All he knew is that when Sun left, she was pregnant. Uh-huh. He hasn't seen the child or or spoken to Sun mm-hmm. or anything. And so for the first time, he sees he's reminded of 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 his love for Sun, and it's through his child. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's a really beautiful and and I was I was moved by the moment. I, I really liked it. I thought it was. You know, I thought uh, Daniel Day Kim did a great job acting that moment, looking at the camera, you know, and mm-hmm. and Giacchino's score of The Last to Know, that that theme was awesome, and I, I really love that. But even more so is then it gets d- deeper into the conversation with Widmore. You know, Widmore gives him that moment, of course, to, to, to see, which I thought was really cool. I think that makes me like Widmore a lot more than I had before. Uh-huh. You know, the fact that maybe, I guess some people might still, if they don't believe that Woodmore is a good guy, might think that that was some kind of manipulation. But I really, based on the way that Woodmore was with, with uh, MIB today, or on this episode, uh-huh. at the pylons, where he asked about Jen, and he says, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, the whole kind of, you know, suddenly two generals staring each other down in a, in a war scenario. 
I, I really admired the way that Widmore gave Jen a moment to be, you know, to to get in touch with with himself, you know, rather than saying, well, I have to, I need this information because of blah, 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 blah. You know, he, he, mm-hmm. he gave Jen something that Jen obviously needed, which was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and then he can use that, though, also for his case, and that is the fact that you have this daughter who you've never seen, and I have my daughter, you know, and we both want our daughters to be safe, but if that thing gets off the island, we will simply cease to be. And that line right there, simply cease to be, I think is a big key line in everything. It makes me wonder, one, how much Widmore really knows? Does he, I mean, is he referring to the X timeline? Is he referring, is he referring to multiple verses? Does he know that if MIB leaves, that their whole universe might collapse? Mm-hmm. You know, that their reality might stop existing? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, or does it, is it simply, is it something more like what, Isabella tells Ricardo that they'll all be in hell. You know, obviously, something about MIB leaving the island is detrimental to the world in which our losties live in. Mm-hmm. And, and it may not be death. It, it may just be we never existed. Oh, my God. So I thought that scene was huge. The other, you know, obviously the, the big one is uh, Desmond being pulled out of the sub. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a creepy kind of moment with Saeed swimming up and everything, you know, and then... Uh, they call him Mr. Hume. They call Desmond Mr. Hume. Uh, all respectful. Here, here, they've drugged the guy. They've had him in a room where they've padlocked it, you know, forever. And uh, and and now they're they're being so respectful. I'm sorry, Mr. Hume. We'll help you get up now. And blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> here, let us help you with that. But uh, yeah. So, but yeah, the way Saeed and 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 Desmond stare each other in the face, and what that reminds me of the constant. You know, when when Desmond was going through his whole his whole uh, 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 time shift thing, mm-hmm. you know, his consciousness was slipping back and forth, and he needed the constant in order to to reground himself. What if the situation gets reversed, where Desmond's can some because you know, it was Saeed who helped Desmond make the call to Penny by repairing the phone? Maybe if there's some way that Saeed can now turn around uh, and be helped by Desmond to come back. In some way or another. <gasps> oh my goodness! Wouldn't that be a nice, uh, really a nice yeah. mirror mirroring thing? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, not directly right now, obviously, because you know Saeed's just there on reconnaissance. But it just uh-huh. seeing the two of them together, staring at each other like that for a moment, you know, it just made me recall the constant episode. Oh wow! I didn't even think of that. That's yeah, that's you beautiful. Know, and, and again, it's no real theory to it or anything. It just mm-hmm. be it's just a cool little. Yeah. Shout out. So I thought that was really cool. Nice. Um, I like the Jack and Son scenes as well. And the fact that Jack and is, is, is so very pro Jacob now. And, but not in the same way that we've seen him be a leader before, where he just kind of takes charge and makes decisions for everybody and everything. He's really listening. He's really being a friend first. And he's really uh, uh, being respectful. When Son says, I don't want to hear about candidate," You know, he's trying to tell her about the, the, the lighthouse and everything. And she says, I don't want to hear about candidates or Albert or any of this stuff. Just leave me alone, you know. Mm-hmm. The old Jack, I have a feeling, would, would have said, no, you need to hear this. You know, the same way that he, the same way that he told Kate, no, tell me what's in the case. Tell me what's in the case. You know, the way he shook her in season one until she finally admitted who the plane belonged to, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, we, we, we don't get that from Jack now. He, he's, 
he's much more respectful. He just leaves. And then when she has her problem, you know, when he finds her and he tries to explain to her what the aphasia is, and then later on the whole thing about uh, the the paper and the pen so that she can write stuff down and, and the promise that he makes to her. And something that's really interesting about that is he doesn't say, I'm going to get us all off this island. That was his attitude in season three. I was thinking about that too. You know, he says, he says, I'm going to get us all, you know, we're going to get off this island now no matter what, you know, and that's not his promise. He, he's making promises that are important to people for who they are, not just as important to him for the fact that he needs to be successful when his dad always told him that he would fail. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there's a real dynamic, I think, in season three of Jack beating his father's expectation. And here he doesn't have that anymore. Now he seems to have gone beyond that. And it's he's realizing that it's about the people. It's about the people that he loves and how he can help them. Not about how what's right or what's wrong or anything else. Just how he can help his friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. yeah. That's that's what I got out of the, out of those those kind of scenes. I thought Matthew Fox did really good with that. Yeah. And um, Richard as well. You know, it's so cool to see him come back with purpose and strong again. Mm-hmm. You know, after being so lost for a couple of episodes, the Avaterno episode was just fabulous. You know, oh there's no gosh. doubt about that. I, I, I mean, you've been talking about how we, it's funny that the best episode of the season were, we were hundreds of miles away, for- but. <laughs> And we couldn't talk about it, but uh, it was just fabulous. But I really like the way Richard came back um, in this and the way he's putting things together on the fly. It's kind of like Jack Bauer's 24 style. You know, he's getting this piece of information. He's like, okay, wait a minute. So Locke told you he was going to be at Hydra Island. Okay, so that's where he's going. Now, wait a minute. You're flying a plane. He's going. He's going to use the plane. We have to destroy the plane. You know, he's figuring out. He's figuring out what MIB's plan is on the fly. You know, because uh-huh. he's coming back. He doesn't have that information. All he knows is that he has to stop MIB. And then uh-huh. in, within 30 seconds, he's figured out what MIB's been saying he's going to do the whole time. So it, it, it makes a it makes a lot of sense. That makes me wonder if the three people that Locke needs or that MIB needs, if one of them isn't Frank to fly the plane. Oh, wow. Right, yeah. as opposed, I mean, we have Jack, we have Hugo, we have Son over in that camp, who are all, obviously their numbers are still on the wall, but... But they're not going anywhere. Well, who can go anywhere if there's not somebody to fly the plane? Yeah, oh, good thinking. You know, so maybe he's counting Jin and and Son as one number, the same way they're counted as one number on the on the wall. And but he still needs to get Frank too. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. We'll talk more about that in the theories. Okay. Okay. Um. Anything else? Yeah, just a couple little things. The the fan shoutouts. You know, Mikhail in the in the X timeline. I think it's kind of neat that they use him as a as uh as a translator. Uh, in in the X timeline because uh-huh. he was in the communication station. He was the communicator. For the Dharma Initiative, well, not for the Dharma Initiative, but for the others, he was uh-huh. in charge of the communication station, the flame. <laughs> and so in this, in this X timeline, he's still a communicator. He's communicating between Kimi and, and, uh, and Sun, or Kimi and the, uh, Sun and the rest of the world. Uh-huh. You know, so he's, he's still, he's still the, uh, the intermediary of information. Nice. Yeah. So that was oh, a nice little parallel. That's and, great. And, uh, he's, you know, no matter what, he's, he's still gonna lose an eye. Uh, or that he's put it this way because he lost more a lot more than his eye in the X timeline but he's never going to die with the right eye in place 
Because in both timelines, he's died with his right eye gone. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So there, there, there's there's the thing that will always happen to Mikhail. There's your course correction for Mikhail. <laughs> Anything else? That's great. No, no, that was great. All right, let's go on to the G Kino moment where, of course, I'm going to be exploring Sun and Jin's theme. But before I do, I just want to uh, point out that I was sent uh, an email from Adam who asked me to take a look at some of the stuff that Michael G. Kino had done outside of Lost. Uh, principally, he found a piece for a game called Mercenaries, a video game, uh, and he said that it reminded him of Jacob's theme, and that's true. Uh, it does sound a little bit like Jacob's theme, not so much in the melody, not so much in the chord progression, but uh, this theme does have two key orchestral elements to it, and or, or orchestr- orchestration elements and expression elements that is very similar with with Jacob's theme, and that is the high tremolo violin and and the use of the uh, space in the chords uh, are very similar. Uh, this me- melody from the Mercenaries game goes much more back and forth just between the one chord and the five chord, whereas uh, Jacob's theme jumps around quite a bit. But yeah, there's some definite things that would, mainly in the orchestration, that would make you see similarities in the theme. And that's just part of Giacchino's style. He, he tends to, to work on... Uh, out of kind of out of the same bag of things, but he um, he finds new ways uh, in, to express it. But he uses the same devices to create similar feelings. Wow, nice! All right, so the G Kino moment, Sun and Jin's theme next. The G Kino moment. is the Sun and Jin love theme, better known as Last to Know, which was found on the Season 2 soundtrack CD. I hadn't really covered this theme before, so it's kind of fun to look at this, even though it's been around for a long time. The theme itself is kind of epic in its own way. It has a genuine modality to it, which stays true to a central major key or a central minor key, and those two keys are relative to each other. And what I mean by that is that the tune starts in E-flat minor, and it has some resolutions to go to G-flat major in it. Both of those are derived from the same scale. They're both derived from the G-flat major scale because of the pure minor that is used in the E-flat scale. Let me just play this for you on the piano right now, the whole melody, and then we'll make some notes about it. (laughs) 
this again is one of G. Kino's longer pieces. It's actually a melody that's phrased twice, uh, but harmonized in two different ways, which makes it all part of the theme itself rather than just being the theme repeated. One of the interesting things that I find about it is the way that the melody itself kind of has a sweeping feeling to it, giving it, like I said before, an epic kind of feel to it. It's also kind of tormenting in a way simply for the fact that you have this beautiful melody, but underneath there are different types of tensions created rhythmically. For instance, with the stabbing chord and then another chord held out long, you get this sense of anticipation or this sense of need or even a sense of tension. And, of course, that really kind of does demonstrate Sun and Jin's story in a, in a great way. It's the fact that their love is a beautiful thing, but they have always had to overcome so many obstacles in order to be able to be together. And they're still going through that, of course. They haven't seen each other for quite a while. In fact, I guess if you look at it in terms of the island time and relative time, they really haven't seen each other in at least three years. So that's got to be something quite difficult for them. Let me just play for you the short stab and the long chord here. Now, I want you to try and relate this to someone walking. Can you feel the limp in it when you do the short and then the long? Think of someone walking along and, and normally at a regular pace, a regular gait, and the strides are pretty much of an even length. And then when you have this shortening length and then this longer length, what you get is a sense of unevenness, a sense of struggle. And that creates that kind of psychological effect with the short and long chords that we have underneath the melody here. Another thing that gives us a sense of unresolution and a little bit of longing about this melody is the way the five chord is harmonized. And what I mean by that is the five chord is the dominant chord. It typically leads us back to the the central key of the piece. And here in this melody, we have chords in the five chord that starts off with minor and then to a dominant seven. And... What I mean by that is there's one note that changes and it raises up just one step. Let me play it for you here on the piano. So what happens here is is that you get this feeling, and especially since you're going from the minor to the major, that it still needs to go one more step. It doesn't feel quite complete. It needs to resolve somewhere just like a five chord needs to resolve back to the one chord in music theory generally. And so, therefore, that's why we get that feeling that this love is not yet completely resolved. And it's a beautiful demonstration of, of how to do that musically by Mr. G. Kino. Some other things of note here, we got the Sun and Jin theme in the X timeline, just as we got one of Sawyer's themes a couple of weeks ago, in the X timeline, basically his his need to get to Cooper. This week we get their love theme during the hotel scene when she's unbuttoning her blouse. I'll play that scene for you right here. Why? Can't you chew it up, guys? Like, in the office, like that. People were many. Someone was watching us. We didn't see anyone. 
그래서 단추를 채우라는 거야? 말라는 거야? 아니 그럼 이거는요? 아니지 What does that mean? I, I think G. Kino is now starting to find some constants between the X timeline and between the island timeline. Just like I've been theorizing that, you know, we're seeing the characters as they truly are in the X timeline, I think G. Kino's kind of seen it that way too. And so when certain themes present themselves visually or in the script, he's able to magnify that with the music. In Sawyer's case, he brought that theme out where Sawyer was looking for Frank Duckett. In thinking that it was Anthony Cooper, he used that same theme again in the scene with Charlotte and Sawyer. Here, he's using the actual Sun and Jin love theme in order to demonstrate that no matter in what timeline, that the two of them truly are in love, that they have a struggle to get over for their love, but that they are truly in love. And the last thing that I want to talk about this theme is the orchestration of the theme. By that, I mean picking which instruments play which parts. When you orchestrate something, you can create a various amount of dynamics depending on whether it's brass that plays the melody or whether it's strings that play the melody or piano that plays the melody. And here you have a real distinction of how to make this a very sweet and, and bittersweet melody through the use of the strings and the piano. Now, this was one of the themes that, of course, I called in back in episode 38 before the season started that we would hear a lot of. I'm glad we did get some of it this week. I'm glad that this is the theme for Sun and Jin that G. Kino has chosen to settle on in order to resolve their issues in season six. It'll be interesting to see if we see any further harmonizations of it or different kinds of orchestrations of it. But for now, it's still that bittersweet and, yes, even epic because of the way it's orchestrated kind of sound. So I'm going to leave you with the actual cut from Season two soundtrack, The Last to Know. And that's the G. Kino moment for this week.
Verity has got some interesting theories on what we can and can't do here. I want some friggin' answers! Theories and Answers. Theories and... Answers. Ooh, that was an authoritative answers. <laughs> uh, let's see. Why are you... Why don't you go first with answers? Okay. Well, one answer we got clearly is that Desmond is the package. Yay! Yay! We don't have to sit around and wonder all season what's in the sub anymore. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that to us. Yeah. That was unnecessary. You kind of called that, didn't you? I think I did call that. Yeah? Very good. Very good. Very good. I sure didn't. I thought it was some kind of weapon to use against MIB. Although, (laughs) technically, I may still be right. I think you're right. But I, I, I don't, no I don't. For him to be there. Yeah, it's a possibility. I don't know. But I, I didn't put it as being a person that might be the weapon against mm-hmm. MIB. I just put it as something. So mm-hmm. I was wrong in that respect. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> My three words for the rest of the season. Uh, uh, no. What else do we get? Um, well, you know, this is like not such a big answer, but um, we're, we're getting some information about the relationship between. MIB and the infected members of his crew, you know, like there's, there really is such, it seems like such a low level of respect that is shown them by MIB um, in some of the conversations we saw in this episode that, I don't know, there's, there's, there's something to be learned there that, that, that is part of an answer of some kind that he, I don't know, something. Yeah. Yeah, he treats them much more subserviently. Yeah. Also, whereas he seems to do a greater deal of, what do you call it, uh, a little bit of presenting more truth to the candidates than he does to, say, like, Claire. Because uh-huh. he flat out told Claire a lie when when she asked if, if, if she, Claire asked if she was on the wall and he said no. Yeah. And she was on the wall. She was crossed out, but she was on the wall. Or or Aaron was on the wall. When I was or, well, that's true. It could have been Aaron on the wall. So I guess that's a possibility. But also, he kind of says something that we don't get confirmation of. And he says, Kate's not on the wall anymore. Yeah. I. That's a really good That question. didn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he kind of encourages Claire to... to that once they're all on the plane, she can do whatever she wants with Kate. Oh, is that what he was insinuating? I think that's what whatever happens, happens mean. Is that he, he's saying, well, I need Kate to get these people on the plane. These other three people that I need. Uh-huh. But once that happens, whatever happens, happens. Meaning, yeah, Claire, go ahead and kill him. Kill Kate, if you Yeah, want. there was a moment where we still, you know, where they were talking about Kate's name being on the wall. And you see... There's a moment where Clara takes a second to look over to where Kate is, and the look on her face is still one of, like, yeah. anger. Yeah. You know, she still looks hateful. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, what answers do you have? Uh, let's see. Uh, I really, uh, I don't know if this you really qualify this as an answer, but Jen now definitely knows that he has a girl. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a nice thing to know. Uh, because, you know, we never understood during last season whether Jen got to have a conversation with Jack or with with Kate as to whether they had the child or not you know whether 
son had the child or not. You know, mm-hmm. we, we never saw that conversation. So at least now we know that Jen knows. Yeah. Which is a, which is a nice thing. Widmore is definitely opposed to MIV, and it, uh, I'll even stretch it so far as to say, because of what we learned last week in Abaterno with Jacob saying, "As long as I'm here, you'll never leave." And basically, Widmore saying the same thing: "We cannot let this person leave." So that makes his cause right in line with Jacob's cause. So I think he's perfectly in line with Jacob as well. Agreed. I, I guess uh, one just kind of funny one, and I mentioned it earlier, but in, no matter in what timeline, uh, Mikhail is destined to die without having his right eye. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't get to wear the patch in the X timeline, but he, he, he would have if somehow he would have survived. <laughs> Uh, What about questions or theories? Well, um, you know, there was the question for me about, I mean, clearly Woodmore knows a lot more than we expected him to have known, having been off the island for so long. When he arrives, I mean, we talked last time, or we talked in other episodes about how he arrived with the pylons. He knows that MIB is there. He knows that Locke is MIB. But what was a question in this episode really is, what the importance of Jin is exactly. Jin in this episode has gone from just being, you know, being a character who's looking for Sun to being kind of a um, a key piece in this game that's happening. And Widmore seems to have some understanding of this somehow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just Jin is just the piece that 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 Widmore needs to keep MIB from being able to leave because Sun won't leave without Jin. If it's that kind of situation, or if this, you know, Zoe mentioned the electromagnetic pockets and Jen's connection to, to that is, you know, is it a combination of both of those things? Like, Jen has become kind of a, a centerpiece, which is kind of surprising and raised a lot of new questions, I think. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Like you mentioned before, uh, the whole thing about the, the timetable. Too, you know, where Widmore was very upset that the, that his timetable, his plan, had been upset by the fact that Zoe went in too quickly and got Jen. Mm-hmm. He made that comment that you know, why didn't you wait till after he was in the in the jungle? But more so, it seems like he has a sequence of events that he needs to happen in order in order to be able to stop him. I be and the fact that Jim was brought to Hydra Island too early seemed to upset him. To me, at least in terms of how it was with Zoe. Uh-huh. Which also would further support Woodmore's statement to MIB at the island. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, he really... Like, in addition to kind of like... Like, in my when I saw that scene, I thought, you know, he's looking at MIB like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, kind right. of in a like, you know, go ahead, try to cross the pylon kind of way. Right. Um, like, kind of taunting him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but I wonder if, you know, he's not trying to, like give himself an extra however much time he can have to to you know to stay in keeping with his original plan which was not to not to have Jin yet not to I don't know maybe let MIB in on what he was doing so early in the, yeah. in the plan very good um, so yeah so there was that um, and you know I had a question and maybe this is a silly question um, it just occurred to me you know in some of the conversations I was hearing in this episode but I, I I'm wondering why MIB why MIB needs to kill needed to kill everyone in the temple? Like he has to kill everyone who's on the island who's not a candidate. Is that what he's trying to do? You know, the the funny thing about that is that he gave them all the option to leave. Uh huh. He just I think he can't afford to have an opposing force against him left behind. 
Okay. And so anybody that chose to come with him mm-hmm. weren't, weren't a threat to him anymore. Because he plan. wasn't planning on taking them all on the plane. Right? I don't think so. I think, but the thing is, is that he needs no one to be able to stop him. Right. And if anybody who's going to stay true to Jacob, then they're going to stay true to his cause, which is to stop him. Uh-huh. And so they must be eliminated. Okay, so it's more so of an offensive move. It's 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 again. He's he he even stated it to Sawyer. He said he said it was them or me. Uh huh. You know, and so I'm thinking that it's his cause. You know, he figures that if anybody that's staying at the temple after he gives them the option to leave, he tells them Jacob's dead. You can come with me. We can all we can leave this place. You're free. If anybody stays behind, then that means that they are perfectly in aligned with Jacob and they will try to stop him from leaving. And so he has no choice except to eliminate the possibility of them stopping him from leaving. And he does that by killing them. But I guess I just, I wonder if the people there really had that much information about the fact that he was not Locke and he was MIB and that Jacob was opposed to him and that he couldn't leave the island without, you know... Right. Well, Saeed delivered the message, first of all, so nobody knows who the message came from. You know, uh, the point is, is that choices were made. And and this seems to be about what choices people make as to whether MIB attacks you or not. He always, he gave Echo, for instance, the the chance to repent. And when when Echo wouldn't, he killed him. Uh Uh-huh. He, he came he when he was to assume the form of Yimmy, uh-huh. he told Echo, "You have to repent for what you've done." And then Echo says, "I do not repent. I am not sorry for the life that I've been given. I've only made the best of what I what I could." And he killed him because the choice had been made. You know what? Jed was saying something about this when when I was at their place. He said he was saying that that the, that Smokey scanned. Scanned Echo in season two. Scanned in the twenty third Psalm. Right, and then and then when he when he became he became useless to MIB when he wouldn't he wasn't able to um, he wasn't able to um, use Yemi as a way to get him to do what he wanted, and so at that point he was clearly when he said no to Yemi he was useless to MIB, and so he killed him. Right. You know. It's the same respect. These people have chosen at the temple, mm-hmm. have chosen not to be with MIB, so they are useless to him, and so he kills them. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 the it's, uh, it's the exact same thought, just on a much more gross bloody scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another question I had was. Um, it just seemed kind of weird that Sun hit her head and she can't speak English. I mean, I'm sure that this is probably some kind of medical condition that happens sometimes to people who's, who, you know, who are, are bilingual or multilingual. But um, I just wonder, like, what what they're trying to do. Like, they're setting up something there, you know what I mean? By, you know, is, is there going to be a moment where she, like, a big dramatic moment where she's able to speak English again? Or, you know, like, yeah. it's going to be, you know, I wonder when she'll be... She'll be back in touch with that part of her mind, you know, and what will happen to to make that the case. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It just seems like kind of an interesting aside that she can't speak English right now. Jack called it an aphasia, which affects the language center of your brain directly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that could be it, just as a simple answer. 
Uh-huh. Um, I know that there's going to be some people that are going to theorize, oh, well, see, that's a direct bleed back from the X timeline because she couldn't speak English in the X timeline, and so now she can't speak English on the island. Oh. You know. Yeah, I don't and, think that. And, and uh, you know, and there's, there's, I don't think that either. Then, then there's going to be some other people that say, well, maybe Smokey did something. And that's something that I brought up here is, what if Smokey, it's not me that I'm really thinking this, but I can see people asking this question. And and that is, uh, maybe Sons of Aphasia was something that MIB did. Like, for not getting her, for her not being able to communicate, it adds a further complication for yeah. the rest of the group to stop him. Yeah, sure. Uh, additionally, it makes Sun want to be with Jen more because she's now the only person that she can communicate with. Yeah. But... In the same respect, Jack foils all of that with the simple with a simple pad and pen, and by the fact that he knows what aphasia is, you know, if that was MIB's plan, it's no longer it doesn't matter because well, it Jack, also doesn't matter because MIB doesn't have Jen anymore. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because he doesn't have Jen anymore. But his plan is to get Jen back. You know that, right? But True. The, the thing is, is that because he, he's going to need Sun and Jen both, obviously, in order to 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 be able to get on the plane mm-hmm. you know, and leave. But the point is, is that if that was, and I, like I said, I'm not saying this because I don't believe it. I believe that it was strictly a medical thing. Aphasia is a very real condition that happens to lots of people in car crashes where they just can't vocalize anything, you know, or it affects their language center. And since she is bilingual, one or the other just took over. Uh-huh. You know, it could have been that she could only speak English and wouldn't have been able to speak Korean. Yeah. You know, but regardless of that, I, that if people are going to theorize that MIB did this, then he did it for no reason at all because Jack's already solved the problem. Right. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Nice, a nice simple solution. Right. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, something that's pretty easy to easily fix. What else you got? Man, Kimi is so creepy. I don't know why I put this in the question section. <laughs> I have this theory that Kimi is so creepy. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, in our initial reaction, somebody brought up something about Kimi, and that's when he's in the freezer with Jen. Mm-hmm. He says something to the effect of, and I can't remember what it was, but it sounds like he says, oh, so, just so you won't be freaking out what's going on on the island. Oh, I didn't hear that. Well, see, it, the closed captioning says, just as it says something different. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm assuming it was just the way the dialogue was recorded and it came across wrong. But several people thought that they heard that. And I, I don't recall what exactly what line it was and what was oh, said. Wow. But, you know, it's one of those things where, I again, I pointed out, it's like, yeah, but for a month after the incident, we were still debating whether MIB said you brought them here or we brought them here. Uh-huh. You know, it's yeah. just it's just one of those dialogue things that there, it either wasn't recorded well or wasn't mixed well or something, or there was some other kind of inflection put in by the actor where it just makes it sound like something that we want to hear. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's intentional. Maybe da- Damon and Carlton do that <laughs> just to mess with us. But because uh, I've thought that uh, from a for for a time or two, but I I don't put any credence into anything about that with Kimi. But it's funny that you would bring Kimi up in the theory section because that's a big thing that went around like for the last two days. Gotcha. Yeah, he's just, you know, those teeth and the way he like, the way he uses his lips to like smile and smirk. <laughs> Man, he plays that character so well. Yeah, he's, he's creepy. He is definitely creepy. What and, else? Uh, the last thing I had was, um, I'm, I, I'm kind of getting confused now, I think, but um, we talked about this last night outside of the Venice when we were talking and it was, 
He said that he was three people short of getting off the island, right? Right. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and those people are who? Well, the three people in the camp with Alana that still have numbers attached to them mm-hmm. is Jack, Hugo, and Son. Okay. However, I don't see how he's going to fly a plane without having Frank. Right. Which you said earlier. Yeah, that's. I hadn't really thought about that, but there's so, no way. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's interesting. We'll have to see what exactly that means. <laughs> I have cool. no I have no clear answer for you. <laughs> what about uh, some questions from you? Well, uh, one thing that's kind of a question and a, and a theory is uh, we see in the X timeline that Sun is pregnant. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go on record and say I think that baby's Jen's. I don't think it's Jay King or whoever the the hotel owner. Yeah, was. no, I don't think he's in the picture. In I don't one. think he's in the picture either because we're still seeing Jen as a loving person. Mm-hmm. They're still kind of running around underneath father's notice or so they think. Mm-hmm. And so the bigger issue that that brings up is that Jen was evidently unable to have babies in our regular timeline. Mm-hmm. He was he was infertile. And then Juliet even brought up this whole thing later on in season three about how sperm counts increased by a hundredfold on the island. As, as compared to off the island. Uh-huh. And uh, so does this mean that Jen's fertility issue is, since there's no island in the X timeline, is, does that mean that Jen's fertility issue is actually directly Jacob-related? What if that was part of his touch when they were first married? Uh-huh. Uh, or, or something like that. And what does that mean for all of the other fertility issues on the island as well? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a theory about it, but I, I, the the thing that I'm theorizing is that that Jen's fertility issue is definitely Jacob related, but in terms of the other stuff, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it would be Jacob related. I agree. Yeah, uh, there's no definitive proof of that because I am jumping to a conclusion that that baby is Jen's, uh-huh. but. But I think I think it's. Safe I think that's a pretty that. safe assumption yeah. at this point. Yeah, they seem to be really in love. Yeah. Another question uh, or possibility that we need to talk about is what Widmore says and the fact that they will simply cease to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard this on a number of podcasts already. In fact, uh, there was an email from Scotty Six at Top Six and Six, and I think Jed, even in his initial reaction, that's Losties with Jed Carrot at blogspot.com. <laughs> you can uh, uh, watch and see that he theorizes this as well, and that is uh, that perhaps simply ceasing to be means the end of their reality that they live in. That the X timeline is the only thing left if MIB leaves the island. And why? Why would that be the case? Uh, well, that that's the question. Is it, yeah. the, is it the fact that, that the island is a reality of its own that is a reality that, that helps separate good from evil? Whereas the... Uh, if evil is released into it, it just folds upon itself. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of questions as to how, or, you know. And the thing about season six is it seems like we're getting some answers as to what. We're getting some answers as to why. Mm-hmm. But we're not getting any answers as to how. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've de- we're definitely how deficient, right? We're, we're quite how deficient, so <laughs> I'm going to stop asking the how question and just try and figure out the why. Yeah. Uh, and... We'll see where we go from here. Yeah, I can't help but think when you say that, like I think about the picture in the first episode of The Sunken Island when you talk about like evil folding in on itself somehow. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't but know. But again, I, I almost don't even want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, hopefully we'll get some kind of answer to that before the end of the series. Yeah. We'll see. Um, another thing is that I just want to know is, is what is Widmore's timetable? You know, how was it upset by Jen being brought early? Yeah. Uh, and what is the plan? What does it have to do with Desmond? What does it have to do with the electromagnetic pockets? What does it have to do with Jen? Uh-huh. You know, is it is he just need Jen basically because he was on those surveys and might possibly know where some electromagnetic pockets of energy are that that nobody else would know? Uh, is it important? And then, then what's Desmond's purpose? Why does he need Desmond? Uh, how is Desmond to be used in order to help MIB? stay on the island. You You're know? right. I think that's one of the big questions of this episode that yeah. this episode brought yeah. up. That's the hugest question, absolutely. Another thing I want to bring up is the fact that we talked about earlier where Locke said that, you know, I need three more people to get on a plane so that I can leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, this brought to mind a whole bunch of things about the candidates themselves. Uh, the first thing that I'm thinking is that Jacob had told uh, MIB in Abiturno, he says, he says, as long as I'm here, I'm not going to let you leave. And MIB says, well, now you know why I want to kill you. And then Jacob says, well, then somebody will just there'll be, be, others, there'll after be others after me to replace me. And he says, well, I'll kill them too. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is that this boy appears to MIB and says, you can't kill him. And I don't think he's referring to Richard. I think the boy is referring to... Sawyer and all of the candidates that they can't be killed, which is why Locke needs or MIB needs these candidates to go with him on the plane, because the only way he can leave is if there is no one left on the island to replace Jacob, because as long as there is someone left on the island, a quote unquote candidate for the job of Jacob to replace him, if someone, if one, any one of those people are left on the island, then MIB still can't leave until that person is disposed of one way or another. Mm-hmm. Because it is the, the notion of a keeper that is still keeping MIB on the island. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You take all of you take all of the people who could potentially stop you with you. And so, you know, if they're not present on the island anymore, then you can leave the island too. Mm-hmm. So I think that really what that points back to is you go back and you look at that scene with the boy in the substitute. And he's saying you can't kill the candidates. And so Locke's option, or MIB's option, as opposed to being able to kill Sawyer, Hugo, Jack, etc., is that he takes them with him. And that's why he needs those other people on the plane with him. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that he can't kill them, too. It's like, yeah. you know, this really great, the great, great rules of this game. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So I'm sure that some other people have been thinking that he meant Sawyer before this, but I, I'm seeing a clear reason as to as to why. Mm-hmm. You know, well, again, we're not getting in how we're not getting how the boy appears or how how the rules are made or anything like that. But I think I think that is a, a, a clear clear picture as to why. And so I'm going to go out on a crackpot theory here and say that the boy is referring to Sawyer when he says you can't kill him. And the reason is because of the what we saw this week, saying that Locke, he, he needs to take these people on the plane because he can't kill any of them. Yeah. Well, he can't kill any of them himself. Himself. Good point. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. 
All right. Well, uh, let's take a look at our forecast feedback here. Uh, this week on the poll, I just put out a question about actually about my G Kino moments because there wasn't really too much to theorize. We got some of the answers last week. There wasn't too much to theorize about for, for this week. Um, I, I asked, uh, are Matt's Giacchino moments too technical in terms of terms and things no like way. that? And And the poll basically came out, 10% said yes, 36% said no, and 54%, the vast majority of people said, sometimes it, it, it is too hard to understand, or sometimes it's easy, and sometimes I'm lost. <laughs> so, uh, and we got a couple of comments about it. I read some of these comments on the feedback episode uh, last earlier this week as well. But uh, here, here's another email that I got in response to that poll. Hello, Matt. No, you are not too technical. Your podcast is unique and extremely informative. And as a former classical violinist myself, I appreciate your detailed analysis of the music and how it relates to the themes of the show. Thank you very much. Uh, another person made a pretty neat suggestion, which I'm planning on doing, uh, and that is maybe put a short list of definitions here at the site so that people can refer to it. So oh, nice. things like chord and, 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 you know, just a small list of, of a lot of the terms that I use, which you will hear or have heard, I'm sure, this week in my Jay Kino moment, because I used a lot of terms like five chord and things like that, or dominant chord. So uh, you'll probably, uh, if you, you got lost, Hopefully I'll have a, uh, a set of definitions up for you so that you can better understand it by next week. Great idea. Let's move on to feedback. Thanks for getting on back on the whole beach issue. You should think it was a stupid idea. Well, what does that say about you agreeing with me? Let's figure out something better before we get there. Well, I'm open to suggestions. Feedback. And in feedback, we got some tweets, we got some emails, let's guess we'll start with the tweets. Uh, Texas Jeepus says, MIB's real name equals Damon Lindelof. <laughs> says, your recent podcast with Jed gave me a clue when Jed discussed Damon's misleading answers. The G Kino moment is the main reason I listen to your podcast, plus it is well produced. Thank you, Texas Jeepus. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I just, I, just, I don't think it's a bad thing that, that, Damon and Carlton, you know, sometimes tend to mislead or, or something like that. I, I think they're doing that just to, you know, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag before this cat's supposed to come out of the bag. So that's all yeah. good. You know, I didn't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem with the why or, or even even the what or the how, I guess. I, I just uh, I just tend not to believe them as much as some other people do. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Daniel1984 uh, submitted this for the package. Uh, a very enjoyable episode. Can't expect every episode to be as good as last week's. Well, that's true. That's very true. That's very true. And Cute Poison 10 said, On your feedback podcast, the song for you by Leslie Santi was so awesome. I put Aww. that song on there as a break to give my throat a break. Oh, uh, nice. So. Thanks. Yeah, I like that song very much. Emails. Gene in Norman says, which ocean? Matt and Leslie, I really like your podcast. It's one of the best out there. I know I'm a little late commenting on Abiturno. And while I, like others, enjoyed this epic episode, one thing is really troubling me and seems to be absent from the many online discussions. The Black Rock left from Manchester, England, right? And stopped in the Canary Islands, which are in the Atlantic. Our losties crashed on a South Pacific island, right? 
How did the Black Rock get there? I don't have a crackpot theory, but it does seem like a really big problem. Wow. Leslie, you have a thought about that? No. <laughs> well, here, here's my thought on that. And that's what we've been told is that the island moves through space and time. Um, so it's a possibility that all of these electromagnetic pockets that we've been told about that exist all over the world may be places for the island to move to one or the other. So the island may have actually been in the Atlantic at the time that the Black Rock was there. Uh, the Black Rock was going to the quote-unquote New World. Remember, that's 1867. Now, the British, according to Katie Gallen, did still refer to America as the New World as late as post-Civil War. American Civil War. Okay. So that's not really an issue there. Uh, I don't have a definite answer. And it, it is kind of strange, especially that New World reference. That really bothered me as well. Because, one, I was thinking, well, wait a minute, did they mean America? Wait a minute. I thought they said it was 1867, not like 1600. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but evidently, the, the British Armada still referred to America as the New World as late as the 1870s. So that's a pretty interesting point. Tom sends in this email, uh, a suggestion about a poll. Hey, Matt, love the show. Thanks for all the work you and Leslie put into it. I wanted to comment on your poll this week. Matt is too technical in his explanations for the music of Lost. Some devices other shows use to put this type of segment at the end of the show, such as the transmission putting forward cabin section at the end of the show. That way, if it isn't some listener's forte, they can tune out and not miss parts of the show. Just a thought. Keep up the great work. That's an interesting suggestion. I'll take that into consideration. Obviously not this week, as you can tell, but <laughs> we, we, we might consider that. Uh, I, I have received in the past complaints about the fact that the G. Kino moment was too late in the show, that people like to hear it within the first hour because they tend to get tired of listening to us after an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of moved it up in that respect, uh, but this is another valid point on the other way, you know. So well, you know, the other thing though is that when you're when you're listening to a podcast, you can fast forward, you know, through like if there's somebody who doesn't want to listen to a certain section, they can just like buzz through it and then. Yeah, it depends on what kind of player you're playing, though. Like oh, for instance, I have an MP3 player that if I that I listen to my podcasts on, I don't have an iPod. So okay. I only have the ability to skip to the next podcast. I do not have the ability to go to a certain point within the MP3 file. You know what? Actually, now that you say that, I don't think we can do that on ours either. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that can be a problem for some folks, whereas they can listen to what they want to hear and then just turn it off or skip to the next podcast directly. Uh-huh. You know, then I can understand. I, I like the suggestion, Tom. Thanks for it. I'll, I'll keep it under consideration. Uh, and email from Queen of the Universe, who is one of the folks who uh, has left us a review on iTunes before. She's a great gal. Uh, The uh, podcast with Jed. Loved your podcast with Jed. It was a great exchange of ideas. I noticed you both wondered why Ilana seemed upset when Jacob told her it was time to protect the six remaining candidates. I was under the impression that she was upset because this meant Jacob knew his end was near. Since she mentioned Ben was the closest thing to a father she had, I can see her taking this assignment with sadness, knowing Jacob would no longer be in her life. I recall her as being weepy when Ben was explaining what happened at the foot of the statue as well. As a side note, I'm interested to see exactly who are the six remaining candidates. I'm wondering if Jen is the Quan that is a candidate. I realize that the other candidates were in 1977 when Ben killed Jacob and Deadlock won the balance. 
Perhaps it was a preventative measure to protect the candidates, and this is the reason Sun did not need to be transferred to 1977 when she returned to the island. I also loved your podcast with Amy. I heard her before on Donald is Lost, and she has some interesting observations to share, and her enthusiasm is contagious. Thanks for all you do to open our eyes to the importance of music. That portion is always simply brilliant. Thank you very much, Queen of the Universe. And in terms of your... I, I really like your thought about uh, Ilana. I, I, I kind of saw that, too, uh, in, in a way. In, after, after Jed and I had podcasted, I was thinking, yeah, you know, it may be just the fact that she's coming to a realization that if he's asking her to protect candidates... Why would there need to be a protection for, for candidates if he's going to be alive? Right. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah that's that a seems great, like that's, a good explanation. That's a, that's a great uh, piece of logic there, Queen of the Universe. Very good. Uh, the Simple Man writes in a short email. I'm a lost fanatic with a piano performance degree, so your G. Kino moments are pure gold to me. Thanks for all your hard work and bringing such insightful musical analysis to the greatest show of TV history. Thank you very much, Simple Man. I appreciate that. Uh, any thoughts on that, Leslie? Aren't, aren't, aren't the G. Kino moments just pure gold to you, too? They are. Oh. They are. They're the best part of the show. <laughs> totally. Yeah, hang on a second. I, I can't reach the proper portion of my back. To have it. <laughs> All right. Moving on to another email uh, from Methodic John. Great episode. Finally, Desmond surfaces. Couldn't Smokey MIB just knock over those simple tripod sonic fences? Saeed is off the deep end. Is he the next MIB? Mikhail shows up. Cute but boring. Better use of my time seeing the story move forward. Love the podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, those, those those tripods didn't look very uh, didn't look real stable, you know. And being that he is uh, in a human form, you would think he could reach out and touch one of them and just knock it over. Maybe they're heavier than they look. And the other thing is, is there's got to be some point along that beach where they don't. I was thinking the same thing. You know, Are they going they can't, all they, they the way can't, around the island? They, they can't possibly. They can't have it. There was not enough room in the sub to have that many of them. I was thinking the same thing earlier in the show. <laughs> yeah. I thought, wow, they must have a freighter somewhere with all these pylons on them. Yeah. That's possible. Here's an email from Go Hex the Wolf. MIB loose? I thought about what Jacob said in Abiturno about the island keeping MIB contained. What does this say about the island in the X timeline? Is MIB out in the world causing horrible things to happen somewhere? Surely he didn't go to a watery grave with the island, did he? As usual, your thoughts are much considered and appreciated on this matter. By the way, really enjoyed the musical clip from Leslie on your Monday Feedback Podcast. Great songwriting, Leslie. Hope the tour went well. Aw, thanks very much. I appreciate it. And since you're getting all the acclamations for your song, so what do you think about his thoughts here about MIB? <laughs> well, um, it's a good question. Um, we haven't really gotten any information so far about, about what MIB's um, world looks like in uh, in the timeline where everybody's you know in the X timeline. So it's a good question. You know, um, <laughs> I have a hard time believing he just sunk with the island too. But um, 
um, I don't know. Does smoke does smoke go underwater? I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. What do you think, Matt? Well, does it fly across water? Apparently, he can't just fly his ass across the water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is when Sawyer says that, he kind of goes, "No, because that would be ridiculous." Yeah. Like that's what he actually believes that John can do. That's what he believes that that Smokey can do. Uh huh. You know. So uh-huh. I, I think the implication wasn't that Smokey can't do that. I think the implication was that Smokey can. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. You know, because he goes, yeah, because that would be ridiculous. Like, everything else that he's been seeing isn't ridiculous. Well, yeah, and what was the other episode where we heard that line before? I think Miles said it in, in some other episode. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, uh do we, uh, we're not going to flash through time, right? Because that would be... Because that would be ridiculous. Because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... So I, those are all good points, uh, Go Hex. I I'm kind of liking this whole thing that the uh, possibility that this cease to be line that we get from Widmore uh, has something pertaining to MIB leaving and what that does for our timeline and the possibility that the X timeline is what's left over. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if that's a bad thing completely. Uh, we haven't seen the X timeline be a, a completely bad thing yet. Mm-hmm. There are some. There are some. Trying moments in it. I mean, Definitely. you still you still have, we, especially this week, we have Sun getting shot, which potentially hurts her and Jen's love. Mm-hmm. But Jack seems to have made peace with his father issues through his own son. Mm-hmm. Kate, oh well, she's been now caught by Sawyer. Yeah, but um, I mean, maybe she was always supposed to be with Sawyer. Well, yeah, but it, maybe she's always supposed to be in jail. Yeah. Wow, well, true. Uh, so I mean, there's 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 those things. Um, we really don't know if Claire actually keeps Aaron or not. No, we don't. But it doesn't seem like it. Definitely doesn't seem like an all dark. It doesn't seem like an all dark place. It doesn't no. seem like a place where where things aren't uh, at least any really all that much different than any other normal life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if it's just a matter of caring about the characters and the reality that they're in. As opposed to the characters in the reality that they could be, or not. Yeah. Um, wow, good question. Yeah, good question, Go Hex. I, I hope that our, our muddled answer made a little bit of sense. But uh, the truth is, I really don't have an answer. Um, so, but it's an interesting thought, nonetheless. Stena Step sends in another email, and this is Desmond in the future. Charles Widmore told Ben he's having lots of nightmares lately. And that's the reason, in my opinion, he knows so much, including the war is coming long before anyone else. The way he said it is indicating he's having more than one nightmare, and I believe he also seen the end of the war and the horrible outcome of it with Nemesis leaving the island. I think the line he told Jen ceased to exist is something he's seen in his many dreams. The only one who can stop that outcome is Desmond, since the rules don't apply to him. Widmore obviously has some interest in the pockets of energy since he knows what happened when the hatch imploded. So in order to stop Nemesis to win the war and escape the island, Desmond must be exposed to crazy amounts of the magnetic energy so that his consciousness can travel in either time or universe and make a new outcome. I believe this place is the volcano, and they can throw him in there. It's a good possibility Desmond can time travel like he's never done before. What do you think the plan for Desmond is? Wow. Wow. Uh, throw Desmond in the volcano. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I don't I don't think that's such a huge leap to say. I right. Mean, they brought him back to the island. Clearly, he didn't want to go. I mean, he said right. He'd never yeah, go he's back. definitely drugged. Yeah. And they bring heavily. Him, yeah. They said they used more than they should have, or whatever. Right. Dragging him around. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and when did when did Widmore say he was having the nightmares? He said it when he was talking to Ben in. Uh, uh, the season four episode that was the Ben episode. Okay. I can't remember what the name of it is now. Okay. I need to go back and watch that. I I, I vaguely remember hearing that, but I don't remember like, yeah, I, the details. I, I I mean I don't know how much you know. We've seen Locke have dreams. We've seen, uh, uh, well, principally we've seen Locke have dreams. I'm still wondering if that's not somehow connected. Some of those dreams are not connected to M- MIB scanning Locke when he was. Um, in walkabout. Uh-huh. Maybe not infecting like I originally theorized. I think we can pretty much throw that out the window. But the, the scanning of Locke may have affected his ability to, to give Locke dreams or hallucinations. Just the same way after he scanned Richard, he could create Isabella yeah. as an illusion in order to uh, help influence him in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Without directly infecting him, he's still able to influence him. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe these dreams that uh, Woodmore is having are, are somehow from Jacob or from something else like that. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Good thoughts. Really um, good thoughts. I yeah. like that one a lot. I, I, I like the idea of, of Desmond with the electromagnetic pockets. Um, that's that's a that's a pretty interesting theory. It does make a lot of sense because he's the, we do know that when he turned the failsafe key and all that electromagnetic energy was released. That's when he, he. That's when he time traveled for the first time, to our knowledge. So that makes sense. And we've seen a parallel with Juliet, I think, uh, in LAX this season, when she hit the bomb. You know, her consciousness, I think, was fading back and forth between the X timeline and the regular timeline, uh-huh. because she, she, you know, it was like she did that whole, let's do coffee, we can go Dutch thing, uh-huh. you know, like she was somewhere else. And then she comes back to Sawyer and says, I have to tell you something important. And as it turns out, it was that it worked. You know, Miles has to find that out after she dies. But evidently she sees, she's she's flashing to the X timeline mm-hmm. in some way and flashing back. So now maybe Desmond can do the same thing. And that is beneficial in what way? Well, that's what I don't know. That's, that's where I, I question this whole thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Unless it is some way that both both universes must be sealed off in some way in order to keep MIB from being able to escape. Mm. But I, I don't know the I don't again it's, it's the how yeah it's those how questions that that are always that are yeah. always striking at us and that's the thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you all very much for the emails. Again, you can always submit feedback to us either by calling 314-754-9662 or you can send an email to keystolost at gmail.com. Any other thoughts before we go on? Nope. Let's keep moving. All right. Closing thoughts. Here we go. Closing her up. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Leslie, what you thinking about the episode and the podcast now? I thought it was...
was good, you know. Um, it, it tends to be the case that by the end, you know, after we've talked through more of the specific points of it, I'm usually even more excited about the episode than I was before. Um, and I'd say that's that's really true with this one, too. Um, I, I liked this episode, though. Um, I wasn't one of the people who thought it was a bad episode. Um, even after uh, last week's, uh, I, I thought this one was still... It wasn't cl- it wasn't anywhere close to that to Richard's episode, but it was still good, and it was that there was still a lot of information there, and um, and so once we really start dissecting what happened, there's a lot of information to digest there. So yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I think it was more than just a setup episode. I think I think it gave us another peer, maybe not a direct look, but just another kind of sideways glance as to what's going on with MIB's plan. I think there were a lot of little things that will help build the bigger puzzle. You know, there's some of those smaller pieces in the puzzle that may be in, in strange places that you can't really see what, where the larger picture is in terms of it. But you get a, a sense of some of the smaller pictures within the larger picture. Mm-hmm. And I'm one that always tends to sometimes go for the trees instead of the forest. So I'm trying to step back and now and, and see bigger things but it's it's really hard. It's, they're doing a really good job with keeping us kind of uh, wanting to know more. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm I'm really I was pleased with this episode too. Um, subsequent rewatches of the episode after my initial reaction didn't really do a whole lot more for me. Mm-hmm. But they uh, it didn't make it any less enjoyable either. So you know I'm sticking with my eight out of ten rating that I gave it on the initial reaction. Sure. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty good. So, uh, I guess that's all we have to say in terms of the music business or in terms of Lost. (laughs) And with that, we'll leave you for this week. Have a great weekend and stay stay lost. Three little words. Oh, what I'd give for that wonderful phrase. To hear those three little words. Okay. Leslie has no initial reaction. She didn't care. Yeah, I uh, didn't write anything in there. Yeah. (laughs) I think I know. You know what your initial reaction is? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. If I don't know enough. I have to remind myself because, you know, I've seen it like five times now. So (laughs) I have to write down (laughs) what my initial reaction is before. Episodes in three words, so let's get into three words. Why do you do that after you say that? Tara, I guess, applies her creativity to uh, analytical thinking and figuring out (laughs) what's in my brain. She knows you. (laughs) She's like watching your house from across the street. (laughs) Tara, Tara, that's just scary. Stop submitting three-word guesses. No. (laughs) Just kidding. So last week we had Kara, a Kara G from Canada that won. Oh. And this week we have a Tara B. Duensel, uh, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, wait, what is that? Sunday? It's like sun, sun, sun of the jungle. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either yeah, way, it it's either a geeky e e e laugh or it's a. <laughs> yeah, I made it more like a dolphin sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Drumhead ninety eight says Desmond is back or Sawyer psychat. Or Sawyer's sarcastic remarks. Beethoven. 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 
is if there is no one left on the island. Key scene discussion. Let's try that again. And I can sound like I'm not about to fall asleep. to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.